Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. This shooting that took place with the Secret Service, just to give you the latest I have on this, Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. You've got Secret Service agents that are protecting the granddaughter of President Biden. They shot at people who were trying to break into an unmarked Secret Service vehicle in D.C. So here's the story. Naomi Biden, granddaughter. She's uh, it's late Sunday night. She's in Georgetown. Secret Service sees three people breaking a window of the parked and unoccupied SUV. One of the agents opened fire. No one was struck by the gunfire, which is in and of itself problematic. Secret Service put out in a statement. Three people were seen fleeing in, in a red car. Secret Service said it put out a regional bulletin to Metropolitan Police to be on the lookout. Now, this is D.C., Just like every politically left-run city, that is just a factual statement, not even a statement of politics. Crime is through the roof. Whether it be the petty stuff, whether it be the auto theft, whether it be the murder rates, through the roof. People want to tell me the murder rates are, are going down in these cities. Do people feel that these cities are safe? If it went down 5%, is it still not 25% higher than what anybody could consider normal? Because there'll be bad people who do bad things. The difference is you have now created a situation by which the political left absolves the bad things happening by the bad people. Thus, you see increases in crimes. Well, we won't prosecute anybody who stole anything less than a than $1,000. So $999 worth of theft is good by you. Well, now the criminal knows, and off they go. And considering they could literally steal shopping carts full of name it, and no one's going to stop them at the door. This is why you have closings and all sorts of things going on. Oh, well, the companies could handle this kind of loss. no. No, they can't, and neither can you. So why, why would you say otherwise? Police have reported in D.C. more than 750 carjackings this year and more than 6,000 reports of stolen vehicles in the district. You remember that it was Congressman Henry Cuellar of Texas, Democrat. Uh, his uh, home, or, or at least where he stays when he's in D.C., he was carjacked by three armed assail- uh, uh, assailants. Assailants. That's how they reported it. Three armed jerk faces. Violent crime in D.C., according to News Nation Now, up this year, up more than 40% compared with last year. You had Representative Angie Craig of Minnesota assaulted in her apartment building. So this is happening on the regular. The question before us is, why did the Secret Service open fire? Now, I, I, I make it a point. I think many of many of us do to recognize that regardless of the political party, uh, the Secret Service has a job to do, and we want them to do the job well and successfully. The, the, the shock value of Secret Service agents protecting the president's granddaughter, open fire, like that's a shocking statement. Once you get past that, it was a carjacking. Why did you open fire? Were you being shot at? Were... 
were, were, was the protectee's life in danger? I, I, I would like to know. I think we should know. In this case, I think we should know. It was unoccupied. The, you, you, could, you could have called police. You could have tried an, an apprehension. And I'm not saying that shots may have been fired down the road. How far away were you? What level of threat? And do we look at it differently because it's the, the president grand, president's granddaughter? Okay, let's say we do. How then do we look at it? It's, it's a weird story right off the quick. And, and, and it's made the splash. If you look at, at uh, cable news uh, websites and others, it's, it's, it's a big story. I want to know. I want to know why. I want to know. Oh, it's ever a big story except for uh, uh, CNN because they want to talk about Donald Trump Jr. taking the stands, and I have no interest. I have no interest in that story at all. But at least I know that it's going on. I would like to know why this happened. To me, this is a little strange. Meanwhile, Israel saying it killed Hamas fighters that have been embedded among civilians at the Gaza Al-Quds Hospital. Netanyahu is saying, look, we're moving forward. And for all these people, including all these terrible, bigoted leftist cable news outlets, uh, all these bigoted leftists in Congress screaming for ceasefire, the answer is no. Hamas has to be destroyed. Oh, and then what happens next, that's a whole nother fight. I'll get into it coming up. I'm Tony Katz, and this is Tony Katz Today. In a world where you can be anything, I'll be kind to you. Could you be kind to me? Kind to me. It's all I'm asking. And what are the numbers, as you understand it? I've heard the Israelis say that there are 239. Is that accurate? How many of them are Americans? We do not know the precise number of hostages. We know the number of missing, and that's the number the Israelis have given. But we don't know how many of those are still alive. As far as the Americans are concerned, there are nine missing American citizens, as well as a a missing legal permanent representative, a green card holder. And so uh, that's the number that we are working with. That's the number that we are trying to ensure the safe return of. And we have been engaging with the families. In fact, I will personally be seeing uh, family members of the American hostages this coming week. So if you have nine and you have one with a legal uh, green card, that's 10. We've got 10 Americans. We don't know if they're alive or dead. That according to Jake Sullivan, who's a national security advisor. We have 10 Americans in Gaza. We don't know if they're alive or dead. And yet we have the progressive crowd screaming for ceasefire, which only is saying, let's support Hamas. Let's support the people who took Americans hostages. Have we lost our minds? Tony Katz. Tony Katz today, 833, got Tony, 833-468-8669. The answer is yes. Yes, we have lost our damn heads. Is no one talking about these people who are being held prisoner? 
Does this somehow not make the stage because I've got these pathetic, embarrassing lowlife protesters, Representative Cory Bush, Representative Andre Carson of Indianapolis, Representative Ilhan Omar of Minnesota, Representative Rashida Tlaib of Michigan, Jamal Bowman, Ocasio-Cortez, all of them in favor of Hamas's survival, who don't give a damn about American prisoners. Benjamin Netanyahu, prime minister, has it absolutely right. The people who are engaged in these so-called protests looking for ceasefire are in favor of Hamas's success, Israel's destruction, and yes, indeed, the death of Americans. We will win this war because we have no other choice. There's no life for us. There's no future for us and our neighbors if we allow the axis of terror led by Iran, Hezbollah, Hamas, the Houthis, and their minions to dominate. We have an alliance for peace on the other side. It includes Israel, the United States, the modern Arab states, and the rest of the civilized world. Now, it's a question, who wins? We have to win. There's confusion in many parts of the uh, of the world. I have to say, not in the United States. I'm glad to see that the, the majority of the American people support Israel. They understand that we're fighting the just battle of civilization against barbarism. But those who, uh, those who protest for Hamas, you're protesting for sheer evil. There are a lot of misguided people out there who don't, don't know the facts. You're talking to people who deliberately targeted civilians, who raped and murdered women, who raped, uh, uh, who, who beheaded uh, men, who burnt babies alive, who kidnapped uh, little babies and, hostage and, uh, and Holocaust survivors, you name it. These are the people that you are supporting. Now, you cannot, it's like in World War II, the Allies are fighting the Nazis, okay? Chancellor Kohl of Germany said that Hamas are the new Nazis. So imagine now, the Allies are fighting the Nazis. They've invaded France after they were attacked by the Nazis. They uh, they go into the cities of Germany. They're obviously, the Nazis are fighting within civilian quarters, and civilians get killed. In fact, many of them were killed. Millions were killed. Now, who do you protest against? Do you protest against the Nazis, or do you protest... Uh, against the allies. And what these people are doing is protesting for sheer evil. That's wrong. By the way, it's a condemnation. It's an indictment of higher education in some of our universities. Now, the higher education dig is pretty fantastic. I love how he says it. It's a a, a condemnation of higher education in our, like, like, well, he was, remember, educated in in the U.S., um, but it's all of us. Higher education and, and really this, you know, we think of this this Jew hate conversation as not one that's coming from just uh, the people chanting in Charlottesville with their tiki torches. It comes from the intellectual set. And this is the part that the left has the hardest time with. This is their people who intellectualize the hate. But it is imperative that we note what it is that they actually hate, which isn't just me, it's you too. And you understand it. But when he is like the vast majority of Americans are with us, I need even more. And we need to further have this conversation. Let's talk about what's going on within the intellectual set. This was a story uh, over there at Legal Insurrection, legalinsurrection.com, Mike Lachance reporting. This is an MIT math class where the professor or the, the adjunct, whatever he is, he, he's, at the, he's at the board. He's doing a math problem. And there's a student there. He's got a beanie on. He's inside. What's wrong with you? He's wearing a, uh, 
He's wearing his jacket. He's 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 uh, waiting there, and he starts interrupting. And the professor's like, "Hold on one second. Hold on, let me play it for you. Let me see if I can." B plus mu times B prime. Yeah, I'm just gonna finish this line. Uh, the, can I can I just finish this line and then then I get I'll, I'll give you the time, right? So the student is giving the the professor permission to finish the math problem. Giving the professor permission. And then when the professor's done. Plus C, uh, minus C times the rest. So minus C times lambda B plus U. B prime. And you find the formula. Go ahead. As you witness the ongoing genocide of Gaza and MIT silence, I'm joining hundreds of students citywide in walking out of class along the center. The professor gives the guy, okay, now you can engage your protest in the middle of class, in the middle of the MIT math class, to scream for free Palestine. Because we stand for the liberation of Palestine against the active genocide perpetuated by MIT, Israel, and the United States. The student is blaming MIT, never mind Israel and, and, and the United States, for engaging a genocide. Free, free Palestine! Free, free Palestine! Free, free Palestine! So some kid starts screaming. This other kid who interrupted is now waving a Palestinian flag. Free, free Palestine! Free, free Palestine! Free, free You send your kid to MIT? This is sanctioned by the elites, sanctioned by the so-called intellectuals who demand that we bow down to them. In New York City this weekend, the pro-Hamas crowd was taken to the streets, climbing up light poles and tearing down American flags. The cops watched. We've got all of those tasers. Shouldn't we have a little bit of target practice? Oh, Tony, how dare you? How dare you rip down American flags? I say that's worth a fight. Why is it that destruction can happen in New York and American flags? It could happen in Minneapolis and Seattle and Portland regarding George Floyd. And the left is totally silent. On January 6th, it was worse than September 11th. Good Lord. If something is wrong, can't we say that it is wrong? Because it is. Then you've got the people who tear down the posters, right? The posters of the hostages. And when they're confronted, because you've seen a lot of those videos. In this case, uh, they were confronted. And uh, the people tearing down the posters attacked the person who confronted them. They're tearing down posters because they don't want you to know that Hamas kidnaps uh, babies and rapes women and burns them alive. They don't want you to know that because they don't care what happens to Jews. Remember, they've lost all humanity. They've lost all control of themselves. And they're getting supported by the intellectuals, the so-called, the pseudo-intellectuals. And now you confront them and you get attacked. Just one of many, many stories Burning Israeli flags on the New York Times building because the New York Times is too sympathetic to the Jews. They're spraying fake blood. Then you have the peace lovers 
a Palestinian woman, heralded as a hero, compared to Rosa Parks, as is reported by the New York Post, was arrested by the Israeli Defense Forces for allegedly inciting terrorism and calling for drinking the blood of Jews. So that's um, that's something. Uh, I would make a joke. I would try and lighten the mood. I'm not so sure I'm supposed to do that. I, I think that when somebody wants to uh, drink the blood of Jews, we should kind of let that sit as it, as it is. And luckily the press, thank goodness, is on the subject because as CBS writes... In the month since Hamas's attack on Israel sparked war in the Gaza Strip and worldwide protests, there has been a, quote, unprecedented surge, unquote, in incidents of anti-Arab and anti-Muslim bias reported across the United States, according to a new report. Oh. Oh. I guess taking your cue from the White House. Why in the world would you actually focus on what's happening? We will focus on what's happening. And as I have stated since the beginning, this is not about me because I'm Jewish. This isn't about some rabbi or Jews across America or around the globe. You understand, and if you don't, allow me. This is about you. You understand that the attack will be on anybody who disagrees, just like we've seen the left do. Because we're not talking about Democrats here. We're talking about what the Democratic Party has allowed in the creation of what academia has allowed, which is the full-on progressivism, which is Marxism, which is about the destruction of the West. That's why you are not insulated. You understand that it is just as much about you as it is about me. Jews will be the first ones hit, but this is about destruction of the West, of Western culture, of Western civilization, of the American way of life, of the Judeo-Christian ethic, of anything that is not theirs. What they don't understand is eventually, if they were to succeed, that they will then be killed. But I can't expect um, uh, liberals to understand, and certainly I can't get white liberals to understand anything. And yes, I meant it that way. William Jacobson, Cornell Law Professor, who we have on often, uh, appeared with Newt Gingrich. And and I'm quoting here on Newt Gingrich's podcast, quote, it's a deeply anti-Western cultural problem, which is taking itself out, as it has happened, of course, for many centuries, on the Jewish population. The far left and the Islamists on campuses are very powerful, and that is why Israel and Jews are being singled out. But people should understand that this is an anti-American culture on campuses. Yes. Yes, it is. What we have been talking about from the beginning, you know, we we do this often. We are saying what other people haven't even thought of yet. And the reason we do this is because we're honest with each other. Constantly. And I'll get more into that. This is not about Jews. This is about you. You might be Jewish. But if you're not, this is about you. This is about your kids. This is about your grandkids. This is about your parents. This is about your friends. This is about anybody who recognizes the Yetzirah and the Yetzirah the evil and the good of the world, the right and the wrong. And support of Hamas is wrong. And yet the Democratic Party is lousy with these people. This is Tony Katz today.
Honesty is refreshing. And I think that's one of the reasons we all enjoy this show so much and what we do together. So we're never lying to each other about what's happening and where we are. If I, I will tell you what's on my mind and I will back it up. You will tell me if you agree or disagree. We have fought about things. We have loved over things. And it, that's why it works, Kitten. That's why it continues to work is that we're honest about the things. And so often when we see news stories and see news cycles, see events happening we're not surprised by their happening uh, or that they're happening. We're already discussing that they're happening because we're always honest about what it is that we're seeing. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Good to be with you. 833-468-8669. Got Tony. And when we see San Francisco getting ready for this big event, and oh, everybody's coming into town including the president of China, Xi Jinping. And all of a sudden, the streets are clean. There's no more human feces on the ground. No one's getting broken into. Uh, and as a matter of fact, the homeless are missing. They're completely gone. We're like, oh yeah, of course, of course. The city wants to look good. The city doesn't look good. So the city is totally willing to just grab people off the streets and put them under the rug for a while so it looks really good for President Xi. Except we already knew that. We already knew that this happens. We've seen my beloved Indianapolis. They've got a a big sports town, right? We are set up for conventions, set up for for sports in Indianapolis and no place else. It's, I mean, it's how they really built the city here in amateur sports. And so when you've got like a a national championship, college national championship or U.S. swim trials or something uh, going on, all of a sudden city looks great, beautiful. Like there was never a problem. Like the Democrat-run city never, ever had an issue, even though it has many, 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 many issues. Two, more issues than it should, but uh, we, we continue to fail in elections here, and, and so the city hasn't learned yet. One day it will. One day it will, and it will want to be better, but like, like Chicago, like New York, like Los Angeles, uh, not yet. They don't want to be better yet. Maybe one day, but that day is not today. Like San Francisco that continues to elect failure and continues to support failure. But when you've got President Xi coming to town, let's clean it all up. Now that in and of itself is rather comedic. It is comedic that you can have this commie, Xi Jinping coming to town, to San Francisco, and the commies who run San Francisco don't want to show the commie they actually adore how bad their commie policies have worked in the city, so they do what commies do, and they lie, and they clean it all up so Xi Jinping can get to San Francisco, this commie city, and say, my gosh, this city looks so great, and the commies could say, we love you, Xi, and then Xi Jinping will say, Oh, and then uh, uh, go about stealing everybody's technology right off their phones and then fly back to China. And then they'll let all of the homeless people back out to the streets. and They'll go, wow, these streets are super clean. And they'll take a giant poop right there in the street and everything will be back to normal in about an hour and a half. All communism is based on deception and lies.
all of it. I mean, Sun Tzu had it right. He could have applied it to the communists. All communism is based on lies, based on deception, and as anybody who has uh, ever studied anything having to do with communist leadership, it's all based on paranoia, where the inner circle becomes smaller and smaller and smaller because everyone has to be destroyed because communism doesn't work. It collapses on itself, and everyone in that inner circle eventually is guilty of doing something wrong or is thought to have done something wrong and therefore is killed or sent to a gulag. Like in China, when we see these foreign ministers all of a sudden disappeared. That's what, that's what it's referred to as. They get disappeared. And the next thing you know, um, uh, they're, 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 they're gone. This is a story uh, from The Messenger. Executives in China continue to go missing amid worsening business climate. The CEO of Du Yu and chairman of Shandong Wuha Pharmaceutical I think it's Wuhua Pharmaceutical, sorry, are among the latest to go missing or be detained in the country. This happens all the time. Oh, you're, you didn't say a uh, nice enough thing. So you didn't have your uh, business uh, provide enough to the Politburo members. Oh, you, uh, uh, I, I think you looked at me kind of funny. Goodbye, gone, missing. And then you have, quote-unquote, officials um, in, in, in China. Chinese officials who disappear. Gone. This was September 22nd. The defense minister was just missing and then uh, got replaced a month later. This happens constantly because the paranoia of communism sets in. It has to. That is how the system is built. It is built on lies. When you are dealing with lies, you cannot create trust. And because that mistrust grows, because the power grows and the need to centralize the power grows, everybody becomes untrustworthy. And in order to keep other people in line, you have to make an example of certain people. You have to engage the lesson. Well, the lesson learned by the people of San Francisco is that if only they were a communist Chinese dictator, they could also have clean streets. But since, since they are not, since they are, are just subjects of an imperial state. Did I just say imperial of, about San Francisco? <laughs> uh, they have no rights. Doesn't matter what's affecting them. Only thing they can do is vote to ensure that there's more trans rep representation in the schools and in, and in the halls of government, right? That's the only thing they can do because somehow that's important. China is, I mean, uh, San Francisco is cleaning up because they know their city is disgusting. Now, many people have pointed this out. We are not the first. But how absolutely wonderful it was to hear Gavin Newsom, possible presidential candidate, agree. I know folks say, oh, they're just cleaning up this place because all those fancy leaders are coming into town. Um, that's true, because it's true. But it's also true, for months and months and months prior to APEC, 
We've been having different conversations. Different conversations about what? You know what? It doesn't matter. It's true. We all know it. We all see it. So why do we allow it is is the question. And we have heard stories about people of San Francisco being disgusted with the lack of leadership and the lack of caring about the violence and about the crime and about the closing of businesses. How is this not the last straw for you? I must admit, I, I am at a loss. I was talking to to friends o- over the weekend who still live in Southern California. You remember, I used to live in Southern California and left to come to Indiana to do this, this radio show and the rest is history and thank goodness I did. But my friend, dearest friend in the world, a business partner of mine, he's still there. Not sure where to go. Not sure where to go. Of course, grew up there. His whole life is there. Uh, I mean, his his mother passed away there, who I, I adored. Um, it's, it's hard to leave. But he has a young kid. How do you not? How can you afford to stay? And so the the question came, the conversation came to, well, where, where do you want to go? What's interesting? Oh, that place is too cold. That place is too humid. Look, once you leave Southern California, you're screwed on weather. You just are. That's it. That's the, that's the sacrifice. And if you can't make that sacrifice, well, then you really hate yourself. That is my view. I've said it to my friend. I've said it to others. But one of the things that he was, he was discussing is he's looking for the place that still has Americana wants to be able for his kid to go on a bike ride with friends and not have to panic. Isn't that what we all want? You're black, you're white, you're Asian, you're Hispanic, you're Jewish, you're Christian, you're Muslim, you're gay, you're straight. You make a lot of money, you don't make a lot of money. Isn't that what you want? You want to know your kid can go on a bike ride and be safe. That is what you want. The idea that he referred to it as Americana hit me. It hit me hard because when I think of the concept of Americana, I think of nostalgia. Are you telling me that your kid riding his bicycle or her bicycle safe on a sidewalk is to have a nostalgic thought? I think that's the problem. I think that's the problem. We do not need thoughts of nostalgia We need thoughts of moving forward. David Marcus, uh, who is a writer, you you, you see him on New York uh, Post, uh, you see him on Fox News. It was a Daily Mail piece, and I talked about it on air. He had written this piece about the Concorde. Do you remember the Concorde? The airplane with the weird nose, and it could get from Paris to New York in like three and a half hours, and this was the future of air travel. And today, somebody can throw up on the seat you're in and they don't even clean it. If you don't want to sit in that, well, I guess you'll just not be on the plane. Today, air travel is marked by a woman yelling, that mother blanker is not real. And we're all like, wow, she's super hot. I wonder when she's going to do porn. At least OnlyFans. There will clearly be an OnlyFans page, right? By the way, she's, she's working her way into being famous because she's she's... She's hotter. I don't know if she'd be considered hot, hot, but uh, uh, I most people would be like, oh yeah, that'll work. Crazy woman. This is air travel today. What happened to the Concorde? What happened to the idea of looking for what's next and making things better? What is with this regression? This massive 
nationwide regression, not only in our, 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 our ability and technology. Uh, do you really think that the advent of, of AI and all these social media platforms is about technological greatness? Our daily lives are not better because of them. Our regression is massive, and our regression is the Concord, and our regression is that our kids don't ride their bikes freely in the neighborhood. We have allowed them, and we can classify them in a multiplicity of ways, to change our value-thinking, a forward-thinking attitude, our valued forward-thinking attitude into a, uh, oh, those were the days. Huh. Oh, well, that's over. Why is that over? How did San Francisco clean the streets? How did they move the homeless people out? How did they, for a four-day visit, including a visit from the uh, Chinese president, uh, dictator Xi Jinping, how did they make San Francisco safe? Well, Tony, they may have violated the law. Tony, they may have done this. Tony, they may have done that. Maybe I'm asking the wrong question. Why is it okay for this, but it isn't okay for our everyday lives? Why can't we recognize that what we're doing isn't working and we need to make a change? And there are no perfect solutions. Let's go back to Thomas Sowell. There are no solutions. There are only trade-offs. One of our trade-offs has to be that opening up uh, the, the, the asylums and letting everybody out didn't work. There are some people who cannot be a part of society. How about programs that have cities paying people to be homeless, we recognize they don't work and we stop them immediately. How about recognizing that letting people engage in aggressive panhandling doesn't work and it has to be stopped, including, yes, people going to jail or at least a solid police presence that prevents them from doing it, including aggressive pushback. How about a society that engages in the aggressive pushback so people know in this town, you don't do that aggressive panhandling, you'll get yourself hurt. We don't walk away from the crazy person. We confront them with 10 other people and say, stop being ridiculous because we know you're acting. Oh, wait, you're not acting. This is somebody who needs that asylum, who needs that help. Let's go put them in that facility. That's where they have to be because they can't be in civil society. See how that worked? Oh, you know and I know that many people are faking. You know it, I know it, they know it. Some people really have issues. Those people, they go to the place where they can get the help. But it isn't on the streets of San Francisco, nor Indianapolis, nor anywhere else. It's not on the streets. And to the people who want to engage in acts of violence in our towns, let's let them know what happens when you do. You know that song, Not in a Small Town, and people were upset by it? Maybe they were upset. Was it, were they more upset by the video or the song? Because I never saw the video. I only know the song. I was like, I don't even know what's upsetting about the song. Everyone should be like this. In every walk of life and in every small town and in every neighborhood, you don't screw around here. We can have the future we want if we demand it. And politicians will give it if we change them up or we force them into doing it. But we shouldn't look to the future as nostalgia. We should be looking to the future as to making things better. We need to. And if we can clean things up for a communist dictator who's coming for a visit, we can clean it up for our lives.
to make our lives better, to make everyone's life a bit better. I'm Tony Katz. Bud Light believes they can make a comeback. This is not a joke. This was the story. You've got executives saying that we think uh, that consumers can make their way back to us. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. You got the CEO uh, telling uh, uh, listeners during a recent earnings call. A survey showed 40% of Bud Light's lost drinkers say they're open to returning to drinking the beer. Open to returning is different than returning, just for the sake of clarity. And the returning won't happen. I mean, they they hired Dylan Mulvaney, this man who claims to be a woman. They threw politics at the Bud Light drinker. And the former vice president, uh, she decided to say, yeah, all those Bud Light drinkers are just dumb frat guys and they're jerks and they need to be made more informed and educated because they're terrible, bigoted people. And Bud Light drinker said, screw off, which was the right response. So now you think you're going to get them back, what, with the UFC deal? That was the UFC making a bunch of money. I don't know if that brings the drinker back. Because how does the person drink a Bud Light without having his friend say to him, you're drinking a Bud Light? <laughs> how does Bud Light get over that? I don't know, but I don't think it's happening anytime soon. This is Tony Katz today. Tony Katz.